0: Welcome, I'm Cliff Hedges. This is Pastor Cliff's Notes. It's a podcast where we're studying the Bible. We're working our way through the book of 2 Corinthians. Today is 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 5 through 13. Let's read our passage. If anyone has caused pain, he has caused pain not so much to me, but to some degree, not to exaggerate, to all of you. This punishment by the majority is sufficient for that person. As a result, you should instead forgive and comfort him. Otherwise, he may be overwhelmed by excessive grief. Therefore, I urge you to reaffirm your love to him. I wrote for this purpose, to test your character to see if you are obedient in everything. Anyone you forgive, I do too. For what I have forgiven, if I have forgiven anything, it is for your benefit in the presence of Christ, so that we may not be taken advantage of by Satan. We were not ignorant of his schemes. When I came to Troas to preach the gospel of Christ, even though the Lord opened a door for me, I had no rest in my spirit because I did not find my brother Titus. Instead, I said goodbye to them and left for Macedonia. This is 2 Corinthians. This is uh, part of just an ongoing communication back and forth between Paul and the church in Corinth. He had founded the church on his second missionary journey five or six years earlier. And then he had sent them a letter when he was in Ephesus, followed up with the letter we know of First Corinthians. He sent Timothy, either carrying in 1 Corinthians or about the same time. Timothy came back with a report that things weren't really improved. There was a, still a lot of trouble in Corinth. So Paul made a quick visit to Corinth. Didn't go well. There was a blow up and we don't know exactly what it was, but it seemed to have been a personal attack against Paul. And the church didn't back Paul on this. They either backed the other person or just more likely just wouldn't get involved. And so Paul left rather than stay and fight. And then he followed up by sending them a letter, this tearful letter that he sent via Titus. And Titus went, took the letter and worked with them. And then Titus came back and met Paul in Macedonia and said, good news. The majority of the church is on board with you now a minority still causing some trouble but the majority are on board so paul sending second Corinthians, sending this back to corinth with titus to try and win everyone over before he goes and visits again he's been talking about their complaint against him that they're complaining about his changing travel plans and he said he would come but then he didn't he said he would come but he sent titus instead Said he would come, but he went to Macedonia instead, and so plus with some of the criticisms that were already there that we saw in First Corinthians. But he's addressing these issues. Now he's dealing with the person who has basically been sinning in the church. Verse 5: If anyone has caused pain, he has caused pain not so much to me, but to some degree, not to exaggerate, to all of you. Question: Who is this person. Well, he doesn't need to identify the person they know, so he doesn't have to name names and list offenses. Traditionally, this has always been interpreted as the man in 1 Corinthians 5, the man who had uh, shacked up with his father's wife. And Paul blasted them for this and said, even the pagans don't sin like that. You guys need to deal with it. Throw the bum out of the church. And traditionally, the interpretation is they did, then the man repented, and now Paul is encouraging them to restore that man. Hardly any modern commentators believe that anymore. That was for the longest time the traditional interpretation by many people, not all. But most people now think, no, this is whoever was the person creating the trouble when Paul made the trip down to Corinth following First Corinthians, what caused him to have to leave and then send the tearful letter. That's the guy this is about. And apparently he has been dealt with. And Paul's talking about that now. So his point here is that if anyone's caused pain, he's caused pain not so much to me, but to some degree, not to exaggerate, to all of you. Now the the guy caught in the dealing with his father's wife, that had nothing to do with Paul. Paul just heard about it. And the way he talks about this through, that doesn't really fit the context here because Paul wasn't personally involved in that. Here, this seems Paul was personally involved. But Paul's point here is, this hurt the whole church. It wasn't just me. It was the whole church. Number verse 6, this punishment by the majority is sufficient for that person. So the church did deal with it. And I think that's some of the good news that Titus brought to Macedonia when he linked up with Paul there. The church dealt with it. The church dealt with the problem. You laid it all out. You laid out your heart. You laid out your hurt. You laid out the problem. In the tearful letter that I took down there, the church stood up and dealt with the offender. So he says, the punishment by the majority is sufficient for that person. So this isn't a lesson on, it's a majority rule vote kind of thing, but the majority means the church dealt with it. It wasn't just a couple of elders. It was the church itself that came together and said, that's not right, and they dished out something. Now, some prefer to translate instead of punishment as reproof or rebuke. So, let's not say what they actually did. But it seems to have a continuing effect, and Paul's encouraging them to end that effect, wrap that up. So it's not just a letter of censure. Uh, We don't know what it is, and it's not really that important what it is. But the point is, the church did come together as the church, and the church said, no, we will not tolerate this. You need to repent and uh, stop what you're doing. So verse 7. As a result, you should instead forgive and comfort him. Otherwise, he may be overwhelmed by excessive grief. So he's saying, okay, the, you, you've punished him or rebuked him, or reproved him, whatever, uh, and he has repented. So now you need to forgive him. You need to restore him, comfort him and with the warning. Otherwise, he may be overwhelmed by excessive grief. Now, when we exercise discipline within a church, and what is church discipline? Church discipline is the church enforcing its own standards, or actually enforcing God's standards. And, and that's all church discipline is, the church coming together saying, what you're doing is wrong. You're coloring outside the lines and you need to repent. And there could be a variety of consequences for failure to repent or even consequences for the behavior. That seems to be what Paul's dealing with here is there are lingering consequences. He would like to see them resolve. The goal of discipline is repentance and restoration, not punishment. Punishment is just dishing out what they deserve because of what they did. It's not the way God deals with us. Uh, God disciplines us. The goal of discipline is fixing the problem. The goal of discipline is repentance and restoration, reconciliation. So that's what Paul's hitting at here, is you need to forgive him. You need to comfort him. You need to restore him into the fellowship. Otherwise, he could be overwhelmed by excessive grief. You don't want him to be cast off from the church and and be a lost cause and forever hardened to the church, unless he's unrepentant. And it seems the case here is he is repentant. In verse 8, he says, Therefore, I urge you to reaffirm your love to him. Think about disciplining a child. You know, we always were warned don't punish your child, discipline your child. The, the goal of discipline is fixing the bad behavior. And when you discipline your child, you reaffirm your love for the child. I'm not punishing you because I don't like you. I'm Discipline you because of your behavior, because I do love you. So reaffirm your love for this person. Reaffirm the relationship. Verse 9. I wrote for this purpose, to test your character to see if you're obedient in everything. Here he's dealing with part of the whole issue of he sent the letter rather than coming in person. And as he said earlier, had I come in person, it would have been ugly. It would have been a showdown and we probably wouldn't really have accomplished anything. So I sent you a letter to test your character to see if you really would deal with it, and you did. So that's the reason he sent the tearful letter, to prompt them to handle it. And, and that's where he stepped back and let them handle it versus him coming in and throwing down some apostle on them and dealing with it himself. And verse 10, and he, Anyone you forgive, I do too. It goes back to verse 7. As a result, you should forgive him. And he says, and if you forgive him, I do too. For what have I forgiven? If I have forgiven anything, it's for your benefit in the presence of Christ. Now here's the point of it was a personal affront to me. It was a personal attack on me. And that's just a personal thing to me. So yeah, it's easy for me to forgive that. Now, it's not easy to forgive. When we're personally attacked, it's hard to forgive. It it shouldn't be that hard to forgive. The only reason it is hard is because of our own pride, our sinful pride. That's why it's hard to forgive. So it should be easy to forgive in Christ. And that's where he says it's for your benefit in the presence of Christ that I forgive. verse 11, so that we may not be taken advantage of by Satan. For we're not ignorant of his schemes. What's this got to do with it? Well, what are we dealing with here? Conflict in the church. And conflict in the church is the prime opportunity for Satan to mess with the church. Unity in the church is an important thing to the Lord. In fact, read John 17, Jesus' final prayer before he goes to the cross. It is all about unity. His prayer for unity amongst his followers And when there is not unity amongst the followers, there is lack of mission. But the church loses focus and is an opportunity for Satan to really disrupt the church. So any conflict in the church is just a wide open door for Satan to derail the church completely. So think about church discipline. What's the nature of church discipline? Church discipline is the church saying that we take seriously what God has told us to do. We take seriously the standards that God has given us. And when people are blatantly sinning, we challenge them. Challenge them to repent. And the the Matthew 18 principle is you go to that person and talk to them. And it's not a one-time talk to them. It's keep talking to them. But if that's not working, then you bring others with you to talk to them. And again, it's not a one-time. I talked to you yesterday, me and my friend are talking to you today, and tomorrow we're taking it to the church. It's no, you ramp it up to a group talk to him. Then you ramp it up to church leadership talks to him. And if still can't resolve it, then it does come to the entire church. And if there's still no resolution, if the person still says, I refuse to follow the Bible in this, then the church basically has to say, we refuse to acknowledge you as a fellow believer. If you're refusing to follow God, then we say, well, you're not a follower of God. We can't make a pronouncement on this person's salvation. Only God can. But when we baptize someone, we're saying, we believe this person really is a child of God. We believe this person really is a follower of Christ. And when you exercise church discipline to the point of removing someone from the fellowship. That's where you're saying, we no longer believe we can endorse this person's faith. We're kind of withdrawing our endorsement. And so now we treat them as an unbeliever because they're acting like an unbeliever. Now, that's the, the most extensive case of church discipline. There may be removal of privileges. There may be limitations on service. There may be Uh, Other things that are done in the form of of discipline where the church is not trying to punish, but the church is trying to resolve the issue. Bring about repentance. The goal of discipline is to confront sin, to bring about confession, repentance, forgiveness, and reconciliation. If there's reconciliation and total restoration, then that's the perfect a recipe for, for discipline. It worked. But because of the heart is a hearts, quite often it doesn't work and the person just refuses to repent. And the dangers with church discipline, we generally err one way or the other. We refuse to get involved, refuse to deal with sin, or we would deal with it too harshly. And that's where it must be done in love, must be done in prayer, must be done in counsel with wise people. But to not deal with sin is to just say uh, the standards of God don't matter. And it allows conflict to run rampant, derails the church. But to be too harsh, it just becomes legalism. And it becomes a cold, hard place where there's no love. It's just punishment. And that's equally bad. So the, the goal, remember, the goal of Discipline is always restoration, repentance of sin, and restoration to fellowship. Paul concludes here in verse 12 13. When I came to Troas to preach the gospel of Christ, even though the Lord opened a door for me. So Paul left Ephesus and went to Troas, and the Lord opened a door for him. I don't know what that meant. It was kind of like when he was in Athens. He just got this opportunity to just preach preach the gospel out in this marketplace. But he says in verse 13, I had no rest in my spirit because I did not find my brother Titus. Instead, I said goodbye to them and left for Macedonia. Now, it's not clear why he went to Macedonia. It maybe had to do with the season of the year and the uh, traffic of ships, that uh, there wouldn't be ships then for a period of time. And so if he was going to link up with Titus, he had to leave Troas, cross over to Macedonia. But Paul was so heartbroken over the problem in Corinth that he stopped his ministry in Troas and crossed over the Aegean Sea to Macedonia in order to link up with Titus because he was so heartbroken over the condition in Corinth. So here it was, he had an outflow of conflict, breaking up a mission, disturbing the actual mission of the church. And that's something that that conflict does. Well, you see here, Paul did link up with Titus and received the good news of the turnaround in Corinth. And now he sent this letter to Corinth to give them some additional instruction, hopefully bring the rest of the group around so he can make a follow-up visit. Thanks for joining me. Join me again next time as we continue working through 2 Corinthians.